0: Hello! Welcome to the <laughs> the whistling window cube. I mean the Libro Cube. Did you hear my window whistling? That's because I uh, apparently wasn't done the whole way up. Hmm. Today, to give weather report on a podcast makes zero sense. And yet I do it anyways. It's shit out. I had a rocky start there too. It's one of those days where the roads, when you know you have to make a turn through... Uh, two lanes of traffic, you really got to plan ahead because it's going to take you a while to get going. It's one of those days. Shit. Currently, right this second though, there's the road has that where it's like those two lines where your wheels can fit, and uh, that actually speeds up the process quite a bit. So that concludes the weather and road purport. Purport? I'm purporting it. On this fra Internet Day episode, hello? Did I say? Did I say my name's Jordan Maywood? Did I say this is the Lackadaisical of Keeper of Liberal Podcast? I don't think I did. Speaking of rocky starts, oh my god, going downhill but fast. At the top of every show, I give a spoiler warning. However, I do not really feel a fra Internet Day episode deserves—not deserves—is not the right words. But uh, a spoiler warning I do not feel is warranted. Yes, that's what I'm saying, so I do not give one. That in itself is a sort of spoiler warning, because there will be no warnings. (laughs) So that is a warning, that there is no warnings. You feel me? Yeah, feel me. Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that, if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. (laughs) No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what helps podcasts grow and flourish and become things, things, I say. Something I like to say on a internet day, or at least try to remember today, and that is, there is an app for this podcast, available for free for your listening pleasure, question mark, and convenience exclamation point, within the Google Android Play Storefront thing. Yeah, free app that is unheard of unheard of i'm a madman jordan's app warehouse crazy crazy jordan's app warehouse we only have one app but it's free so that's pretty crazy (sighs) all of that said we'll take us into our last piece of podcast related goodness which is today's sponsor which is the sticky chop Once again, today's sponsor is the Sticky Chop, which is combining the best of the Shticky and the Slap Chop into one just really good thing, with no explanation needed, really, when, yep, and none will be given for that reason. Oh boy, this episode, I can't think of any that I've had more off the rails, off the bat, (laughs) than this before, so I should probably just pull the plug and, um drive this car into the ditch. No, I shouldn't even joke around about that because the roads are pretty bad, so I wish I hadn't said that because, you know, that'll be the one goddamn time that happens. Fuck. Okay, let's ignore that. Gloss over it, if you will, into this Frat Internet Day episode item the first, which is just a a cool little thing that I stumbled upon in my internet viewings. It is from the good people over at Epic Meal Time. Uh, I did just bring back, I think it was last Friday Internet Day even, their uh, episode with the Trailer Park Boys. So I'm not going dis- to discuss the episode itself, even though, whoa, it was pretty goddamn amazing. It was an episode in which they cooked their epic meal with a Mr. Er, er, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Holy shit. More and more often, and this video emphasized this fact, Uh, You're seeing that the internet, as a form of just media and awesomeness, is getting more and more validation, in this case, from Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, so cool. You know what? I think in a drive home first, I saw a road closed due to the amount of snow. I've never seen that before. I've heard of it, but never actually seen the sign that said road closed Hazardous conditions and what have you. Pretty, uh, that gives you a little indication. And and that's kind of strange, because I've I've been on drives home where the roads were worse than they are right now. And yet still, the sign. The sign. Everywhere the sign. Anyways, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Epic Mealtime, got together for hijinks, of course, but also to support a good cause. And that is on a website, I wrote it down, uh, omaze.com backslash epic i'm gonna spell that for you o-m-a-z as we say here in canada z you would say if you are in the united states dot com backslash epic uh what that is is a charity of sorts you are donating money to uh, a charity however you're getting potentially something incredible in return uh it's Sort of a, I don't know if you could say this, but sort of along the lines of your fund anythings or kickstarters, where although it's kind of has the feel of donation, you are getting something in return. This, potentially, you are getting something in return. Not necessarily getting something in return. I, I suppose that's where the difference lies. What you can get is flight and accommodations from anywhere in the world to go and film, film. Uh, I guess an episode of Epic Mealtime sounds like with Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Epic Mealtime folk. So, needless to say, I made a little quote-unquote donation in the hopes that I win that, because that would be, like, the trip of a lifetime. Really? Honestly? Uh, okay, so yeah, uh... The only thing I'm going to say from the video itself, the epic meal itself, is that there was a scene in which they had an ostrich egg, because that is obviously the most epic of all eggs, and cooked it outside, and due to the great amount of heat reflecting off the circus, circus, (laughs) off the surface of Arnold Schwarzenegger's tank, they cooked the ostrich egg on Arnold Schwarzenegger's tank that he owns. Because it was hot out, so frying an egg on a sidewalk, but instead of an uh, egg an ostrich egg, and instead of a sidewalk at Arnold Schwarzenegger's tank, is what happened? Jesus Christ, that is the internet just sort of personified right there. Okay, so uh yeah, uh not really spending too much time on that, please go watch it for yourself. And I'm gonna move quickly into item second, which is kind of the first official item. That uh that one was just a little tidbit item. This is a Podcast, sure. I I don't know if it's technically, you're going to say, say if Paul F. Tompkins of this entity called Speakeasy goes around saying, oh, would you like to be on my podcast? I don't know if he ever says it that way, but it's got all the sounds of a podcast, definitely. Some of the looks, a little bit, if you are a visual podcast watcher, which I'm not really so much. I suppose I do it with Kevin Pollock's chat show and this but most of my podcasting consumption comes from audio onlys. I think a yes, a, <laughs> for some reason, the craziest driver that I've seen on this drive home, and I mean someone who rather than drive in the, in the little wheel slots that we have somehow provided to us, I guess by the snow plows are driving in the unpaved lane, unpaved, unplowed lane, uh, which automatically to me means you're a maniac. The only person I've seen do that so far is a bus, uh, a handicap uh, access bus, a handy-capable bus, whatever you want to call it, a bus in which if you're in a wheelchair, this bus would pick you up. That sort of bus is the craziest of craziest drivers today. <sighs> I don't know what to say to that. There's, there's very mean jokes in there that are running through my mind, <laughs> mean and politically incorrect jokes, but I'm not going to say any of them, so... You know, you're welcome. Or, sorry, depending on which. Speakeasy, Paul F. Tompkins' guest, Gillian Jillian Jacobs. Gillian, 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 Gillian. I'm going to go with Gillian, because it's a G. And if you wanted to be Gillian, you'd spell it with a J, would you not? Uh, I don't know. Either way, you may know Gillian Jillian from the television program Community, which is one of my favoriteest of all shows. As I like to say, and in fact said on a very, very recent TV Tuesday, in fact, probably the most recent TV Tuesday, that uh, Community is a show that is for nerds, whereas Big Bag Theory is a show that makes fun of nerds. How about that for a little throwing it at you? That, that is, a, I should perhaps say, not something that I have come up with. I forget where I heard it, but it's not an original thought. Uh, There are a lot of my thoughts. Hmm. Self-deprecating. She probably more than most, definitely, as far as women I have heard on podcasts, she I have heard more than most. Yeah, well, there you go. So she does the podcast rounds, as I say. And uh, I like that for the reason she is consistently funny she wasn't funny, I wouldn't want to hear her talk all the time, despite the fact that she is incredibly beautiful. I'm there for the sounds coming out of her mouth, not the beautifulness of said mouth. Uh Uh-huh. So I spoke a little bit of community, of course, as you do. Uh, It's one of those shows that got to be nerve-wracking to be working on, although it sounds like she's got over it a little bit. Just as far as uh, always worrying about whether or not it's going to be canceled or not. It sounds like it's been up a couple of times up in the air as to whether or not it's going to come back. And it also, I always get the impression, because I've heard quite a few people from the show talk of it, not just Gillian Gillian, that impression of, at first we sort of sat at the edge of our seats, waited with bated breath, uh, but now we're just kind of like, yeah, if it gets picked up. Awesome. If it doesn't, we've had a great time. Uh, I think it's doing much, much better, and I think and this is something they always stress, although she didn't really mention it this time, I guess because she's talked so much about it before, and that is the idea of uh, Nelson ratings. So shows, as you know, of the television variety are rated on how many viewers they get the viewers are determined by how many families with a nelson box in their home are watching that show so that was really the only way a show's success was judged which in this digital age well where people are watching online like uh, for example myself i've watched every single episode of community i think i've ever watched online i've never watched one of it on the cable Which is a shame that my love of the show is not sort of seen in their ratings, but that's just the way the digital age is working. So uh, they always try to point out this fact and people sort of on Twitter and uh, I guess to a lesser degree Facebook show their love and support of the show much, much more vocally than they do for a lot of other shows that are deemed more popular because of these Nelson people watching them. So uh, you know, that's a shame and something should be done. And maybe it is, because they're uh, they're around and still around. She apparently went to Juilliard, which is like a la da acting school. Sort of a big deal. She spoke a little bit of the audition process to even get into the school, which sounds like a friggin' nightmare. A nightmare! And you're... That's one of the strange things of schools. You want to give them, uh, presumably, a shit-ton of money to come to the school, and yet... Uh, you have to bend over backwards to make it into the school, despite you wanting to wanting to pay them. So very, very strange. She said she got her start in showbiz, in like uh, indie movies, independent films, and uh, one of the examples she gave of sort of uh, I don't know if it's typical, but let's just say the typical indie film lack of budget was that their offices, makeup department, props department, everything in a film was shared with, uh, what did she say? Dominican communists. Like, is that Dominican Republic? Communists? Anyways, let's just lose the Dominican, because that is confusing to me. And just say communist. So half of the office shared by these actors, half shared by the communists. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did they get along? Uh, No, there was some friction between the communists and the actors, apparently. I think despite my love of Gillian Gillian on podcasts such as this and on Community, uh, my greatest love of her is when she is um, on Comedy Bang Bang. Comedy Bang Bang, every time it comes up, I mention the fact that it is one of my favorite podcasts, and out of every podcast I listen to, and it's like over a dozen now, Uh, The one that consistently gives me the loudest and longest laughs. So, you know, that's my most ringing of all endorsements, I think, yes. She is on it from time to time with Gary Marshall. Hmm, Because they've had a on again, off again, on again, off again, on again, off again, on again, off again, again thing between the two of them for quite a while now. Uh, Breaking the fourth wall, spoiler alert. Uh Gary Marshall on Comedy Bang Bang is actually voiced by Paul F. Tompkins. So one of the reasons that I like seeing them together on this as themselves was to see them interacting not as Gary Marshall and Gillian Gillian um sometimes wife and lover. <laughs> uh good 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 stuff stuff stuff. Okay, I think what I'm going to do since I'm getting kind of close to home is I have uh, brought back three TED Talks. Yeah, I've brought back a TED Talk and a Wytle. and a Wytle? Not sure what a Wytle is. It's apparently a measurement of time. Oh boy. So what I'm thinking I'll do is save those for the drive into work tomorrow when I can concentrate better due to probably not as bad road conditions. And uh, we'll do my final item, which is again, sort of like the first item, just a little tidbit that uh, I don't really have any notes on per se. Just wrote down the existence of it, and then we'll see what happens from there, and we'll save the TED Talks for tomorrow. TED Talks tomorrow. TED Talks tomorrow. The TED Talk titles for tomorrow. Fun to say. Uh, Yeah, final item. Kevin Pollock's chat show number 196 with guest Curtis Armstrong. Curtis Armstrong, uh, I'm trying to think where most people would know him for. Well, either one or... One of two, I I think, would be most likely, but he's been in a number of things. Uh, For me, definitely, it is Revenge of the Nerds, in which he played Bugger. Bugger! Uh, Another more recent, because that was just celebrated its, I think, 30th anniversary, perhaps? 35th? Anyways, a long time ago anniversary. Ooh, that makes me feel old. He plays, or rather, voices... On American Dad, one of uh, the kids—what the hell's the kid's name? One of the kids known as Snot. You see what they did there? Probably th- that might be an inside joke to a lot of people, or a joke—a joke, a joke potentially a, a lot of people don't get because I don't know how many sliding around. I don't know how many people who have seen the movie Revenge of the Nerds are also watching the show American Dad. I think the show American Dad, potentially more popular than Revenge of the Nerds, just in terms of size of audience, so, I don't know, interesting thought there, the, the whole Venn diagram of who's watching what and who, ah, uh,
1: anyways, I am one
0: who has enjoyed both, so I like the whole booger snot thing. Curtis Armstrong, uh, they started off the, this interview, and I think I've mentioned a handful of times with Kevin and Pollock's chat show, that if there's any one you ever have any interest into be it actor or whatever uh, the best resource you will ever have to getting sort of info of the entertainment and educational variety is if they appear on Kevin Pollock's chat show just the the, the scope of uh, and they always give credits to the people who do the research, Uh, the scope of the research and some of the little tidbits that pop up in these interviews, just incredible Uh, it is The reason I love podcasts of this style so, so very much. The interview style. Um, I always like to mention when it comes to Kevin Pollock's chat show that the very first podcast I ever experienced was his episode number one with LeVar Burton. I came for the LeVar Burton and stayed for the Kevin Pollock, if you will. Anyways, the little tidbit that came out right at the top is that uh, Curtis Armstrong is a huge, 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 as he describes it, sherlockian which uh, is a fan of sherlock holmes i guess primarily the books he mentioned that a lot of fellow sherlockians who are sort of really into the the sherlock books arthur quinn and doyle what have you Uh, some of them like himself appreciate the movies with robert downey jr and some of them will have nothing to do with it and and i could see that if you have a love of something and then someone takes that something and, and twists it around Despite the fact that it's exciting and very, very different, you may be upset about that. Uh, I wouldn't begrudge anyone they're not liking the movies because of their love of the books. I like both. Definitely, uh, I've read probably, I don't know if I've read every Sherlock Holmes, but in, into the double digits anyways. A fair, fair chunk of them. And have enjoyed them greatly. The movies I've also enjoyed greatly, so uh, I'm one of those who can fall into both camps something very, very cool he mentioned on this, and this is something I'd never heard of and I don't know how much stock I would put in it. It was the thought that Sherlock Holmes potentially, at least according to Curtis Curtis Armstrong and other Sherlockians like him, uh, believe that the potential exists that Sherlock Holmes was an actual real person on which these stories were built. Around so a uh, very very cool idea. I would never have thought that in a million years, especially after reading a lot of those it doesn't seem like anything written would be something that would happen in real life It's just too sort of classically mystery novel to be real okay, just about at home um see I, I didn't have much in the way of notes. all I had written down was Sherlockian. <laughs> And, uh, 30th anniversary. So it was the 30th anniversary, and apparently Chris Hardwick, in his host persona, as he so often does, hosted the 30th anniversary. So a very, very cool sort of tie-in with, well, Chris Hardwick, because we here at the podcast, and I'm using the podcast, we are big fans of Mr. Hardwick, and one of the reasons I do this is because, uh... He's said quite a number of times that uh, he gets asked a question more specifically with stand-up comedy. Uh, I want to be stand-up comic. Comic, uh, How do I get into it? Where do I start? What do I do? And he just tells people, just do it. And perhaps not so nikely put, but uh, just go out there, get up on stage, start doing it. Do it repeatedly and you'll get better at it. If you don't like doing it, stop doing it. And that's how you become a comic, that sort of idea. Uh, I took that thought and switched it around a little and replaced comic with fellow podcaster and uh, just did it because of that advice. So thank you to that thing there, Mr. Chris Hardwick. Folks, that was our halfway point of this episode. So I will say, as I do from time to time, that uh love you, dearies. Oh, you know what? Uh, more, perhaps, a note to myself than anything, uh, because this is a drive home rather than a drive to work start of the podcast, I got a little uh, little slightly different transition than you're used to, which I get to use somewhat infrequently, but I get to use it now. I mean now. This is middle of the podcast. Beautiful friend. This is... Middle? My only friend, the... Middle. Hello again. Well, that was... Um, a night. The rest of a day and a night completed. Ah, yeah, it's exciting. Let's move back into this internet day episode immediately. With some TED Talks. Three of them, specifically. Or pacifically. If you're uh, living in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. No sense right off the bat. Just the way I like it. TED Talk, the first, TED Talk title. Uh, I always like to mention that TED Talk title is fun to say. Say it along with me. TED Talk title, TED Talk title. TED Talk title, the first, is 50 cent folding microscope. Hmm, interesting. How is this even possible, you might ask? Well, you could watch the TED Talk, and uh, you know you'd find out. Uh, it's kind of well; it's it's very very cool. But it's uh, it's interesting how it's it's basically printed on a piece of paper. So it's the size of a piece of paper, obviously a little thicker, but not by much. I think maybe if he said printed on a piece of cardboard, somewhat thickish cardboard, he might be more accurate. But still, yeah, but still, very very cool just for that sort of engineering feat alone, uh, not even to mention why this has been done. Uh, And the primary reason is that uh, diseases in, uh, I guess it's mostly, but maybe not all, uh, third world countries are hard to diagnose just for the reason that uh, microscopes are hard to get get your hands on, they're not very portable. Uh, They take some training often in order to use, and there's many things keeping uh, what we consider a normal microscope out of the hands of people in third world countries in order to diagnose people with diseases such as malaria, malaria being probably the number one. I I think as far as diseases, and I may not have my numbers 100% accurate, but I think malaria kills more people each year than any other disease. I think. Unless we're counting like heart disease or maybe that's more. Anyways, malaria kills a shit ton of people a year. So if people working in the field in these third world countries have access to a 50 cent microscope that could be sent to them in the mail because it's like a piece of paper that's going to speed up the diagnosis by weeks weeks, which will uh, give these people a much stronger fighting chance to uh, get treatment that much sooner. So, very, very cool idea. Something I thought was uh, pretty genius of this as well is that there's no instructions, no like instruction sheet, just because it's going to be used by people in multiple different countries and multiple different languages. So, it's all sort of color coded, very, very bright, almost a uh, beautiful art like. Like, you could hang this thing on your wall. Hey, I would hang one on my wall. It's, it's, it's that cool to look at the last sort of very interesting thing and I don't know if this is just sort of a a byproduct of the microscope itself or something they planned and that is it's also a micro projection projector I should say so uh, you can project whatever the microphone is seeing on say a wall as long as it's kinda dark and he showed he showed an example of that and it was uh it was of a mosquito's antenna pretty cool i used to have a microscope i wonder what uh when i was a kid i think for some reason that memory is memori, memori- floating to the top but uh i know i don't have it so i wonder where it went huh well now i can buy a 50 cent one uh y- yeah you know what that's one question uh designed for people in the third world for very specific use but could i get my hands on one curious hmm. Curiouser and curiouser okay so let's move in uh, i'm doing these a little rapid hurriedly just fly and fly stands for fyi here in the liberal queue and fyi stands for for your information eh, how about that fly TED talk title the second dna vending machine uh this one started and i'm going to boil this down started sciency and moved into arty which i kind of i don't want to say i didn't care for but i i appreciate my ted talks more for their science and the sort of impact the science can have on humanity where uh, as soon as this guy used the word art installation uh, i kind of rolled my eyes a little bit Uh, I, i suppose There's a possibility that things like this are important for society as a whole, but not as much as science, science. So uh, this guy, oh, and I should mention, uh, I have just learned, I've just learned, this just in, that uh, apparently I haven't written down anyone's name who gave these TED Talk titles. However, if you type in 50-cent folding microscope and DNA vending machine and my third one into... Either the TED Talk website or where I watch these YouTube, you should be able to find these for yourself. Uh, before I hop into DNA vending machine, I do have to do something that happens every once in a while within the Local Cube, and that is stop and get a little of the old gasoline, or as we say here in Canada, go go juice, go go let's go hyphen go juice. That is what we call gasoline in Canada. Please. For the love of everything holy, which is nothing because I'm an atheist, do not look into that fact and just trust that I would not lie to you about something so very, very serious. So, I will be back, uh, in a moment, ah. Huh? Editing. 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 Mm-hmm. The road again. Oh, the road again. That was the On the Road Again remix. Thank you for that voice box. We were talking DNA vending machines, and what this is is a dude, an arty type of dude, uh, was having parties, dinner type parties, or whatever, where he would uh, take people's DNA, uh, and it's this process where they gargle some sort of solution and then spit it into this test tube, and then it basically shows their DNA somehow it's kind of this white little cloudy substance floating inside like a, a watery substance is what it looks like which uh that that's interesting i'll, I'll give him that i don't really get how that is showing your dna but it is apparently so uh what he has done is taken a shit ton of these samples enough to fill a vending machine and then um you can go to the vending machine, and I forget how much it costs, and type in, and then you get this little block, and inside the block is some of the solution floating around, and then you see the on the back of the block the person whose DNA it is, and it's uh, you know, art and stuff Now he's sort of uh, making a commentary on what is your DNA worth and uh, what it'll be like in the future, will you be able to sell your DNA and uh, I, I don't know art and stuff let's just leave it at art and stuff and move on to ted talk the third growing bone (laughs) growing bone oh man giggle i will giggle at that every time (sighs) so uh traditionally what we have used uh in place of bone are things that are as this lady described, bio-inert. So things like plastics, metals that do not react to your body. You can put in your body, like uh, pins that you would say put in your hip, and your body's not going to react. That is sort of what the healthcare field has focused on, things of that nature. But uh, she, she hypothesizes, and I think we've seen evidence so far that this is a pretty valid hypothesis, That uh, we're moving in the other direction and things that, towards things that are bioreactive. Mm, Very interesting. I think the only real example she gave, maybe there was some that I missed, but the the main one was stem cells. Stem cells, interesting, interesting. Uh, My knowledge of stem cells and how they work is somewhat limited, but uh, I think Even someone with limited knowledge of stem cells can appreciate the sort of potential for their healing capabilities, let's say. Yeah. Uh, One example she gave, and this is very cool, is, uh, and this is kind of actually what she she mostly talked about, is normally, say, you needed some bone to replace bone in your arm. Yeah. You've got a broken arm, and part of the bone is destroyed beyond... It's the body's ability to heal it. So what would normally happen, or what can happen, is doctors would go into your hip bone and take a section out of that and then graft it into your arm. That right there is cool, and I didn't know such a, such a thing even existed in the first place. Uh, she says it's a very painful procedure, and obviously there's only so much bone there before you start doing irreparable damage to the hip. So, what she has devised, well, I don't know if she has devised, or what she was talking about, is that you can take stem cells, and this is where it gets science-y, and use them, when I say use, the technical way in which they are used, I'm a little foggy on, because, you know, super, super science, but use them in such a way that it grows the outside layer of your bone. So you're, so rather than cut away a section of a healthy bone, you would grow, and it was quite a significant amount of growth, grow the outside layer of an existing bone, and then peel that layer off. Because between the existing bone and the bone you have grown, there's sort of a layer that allows you to do this somewhat easily. She said it's much, much less uh, invasive and painful. I suppose it's still going to be some pain getting cut open and have part of your newly grown bone pulled off, uh, it, what I found most incredible was the amount of bone this can grow. Like, they showed a picture of a before and after, and it was almost double the thickness. She told a little story of, uh, I think it was Australian rugby team who sort of saw her research somehow some way, <laughs> that's curious right there, and asked if they could use this on their skulls. So they would have super thick skulls, uh, presumably, to bang in other other players. Yeah. So needless to say, the potential for being able to grow bone so... uh, I I don't know how quick the process was, but it's uh, efficient, seemingly. has many, many possibilities. Something as well, which uh, I think she pointed out we've never been able to do, and that is grow cartilage as well, because apparently like when you break a bone and set it together the body has the ability to heal that but with cartilage it's sort of a whole different animal if if you break or damage cartilage the body doesn't really have the ability to fix it and with this process using stem cells to create a layer of new cartilage the body can uh, you know use that new cartilage so hey growing cartilage growing bone it's all very, very cool stuff. And uh, what an age we live in, basically. Folks, that was, it is, the end of this internet day episode. We did it. We had some laughs. We got some education. It's really what a fr- internet day is all about. Getting a little bit of both. Spreading the internet's wealth to your ear holes from my mouth hole. That will leave one final thing to say, which is, of course, always the final thing to say, which is...